My name is Dirk Walhout, like Kyle said, at Kalamazoo Christian. This is Megan Benlenti. Um, before we get into the bulk of this, I really have to give all the credit to Megan for not only this presentation, but for the work that Kalamazoo Christian is doing. Um, it wasn't really until Megan came in, in the role that she serves now, that this really started to uh, take shape. Um, we, we had a curriculum director, uh, but we did not have an instructional coach position, and Megan came on as both of those, as both of those roles in four years ago, and has really, really uh, become the champion for all of this work, and has helped us to get this off the ground. So, thank you, Megan, for all of your work. So, I became interested in this idea of teacher support for deeper learning, Ultimately, we want to serve students, uh, but this idea of supporting teachers so that they can better serve students became important to me for really two reasons. My experience uh, as a teacher, as a new teacher, uh, I was in schools that were not terribly supportive. There, there weren't systems in place. They just kind of threw you out there and said, okay, go teach. So there wasn't any mentor, teacher provided. There, there wasn't a whole lot of guidance. Uh, and also, uh, early in my career, this is in the early 90s, um, evaluation and observation was very rudimentary and seemed almost punitive. And as a new teacher, that was a pretty scary thing, uh, to sit in, in an observation situation and, and there's an administrator there for 20 minutes and... You know, your contract sort of depends on that, and it's one observation per year. It just didn't seem to be a, a right-minded way of introducing new teachers to the profession. So that, that always sort of stuck in my mind. And then when I became an administrator, I started to think about how can we do this better. So that's uh, where I'm coming from into this work, into this project, and uh, you'll see what we've been doing here lately at Kalamazoo Christian, I'm going to turn it over to Megan. Hi, Megan. Um, yeah, definitely when I started teaching my first, I, I felt like I went to college and got a lot of great ideas and a lot of plans, and then I went into my first year of teaching and started teaching just the way that I had been taught as a kid. You know, it's like I fell right back into a lot of those habits and routines, and then I went and visited a different fifth grade teacher who was teaching in a different school, but I, I, I just was like, I don't know what, I don't know, I had a lot of like, I don't know how to make all those things happen, and then I went into her classroom for a day and watched her just do the magic. I was like, oh, it is possible in real life, and it felt different than when I was student teaching, when I was under somebody else and do, kind of doing their thing, how do I transport this into my own thing? So for me, in the role that I'm in now as the curriculum coordinator and instructional coach, that's something that I really want to recreate for all of our new teachers is an opportunity for them to be in other classrooms, um, to see the work that other teachers are doing and really like in the practice of it while they're a teacher to have those moments to be able to think and process and try new things. So a lot of the things that we have developed in the last few years are out of a desire to support teachers um, and not have the work that that we're doing to support them feel evaluative in that process, that it's really about support. 
um, and trying to like reiterate that over and over again when there's somebody in the room even like observing or involved that that's the, the purpose of it and how to do that well. So that's where we're starting from. So I think I next have a question for you guys. Um, so take a minute. What are some frustrations or concerns that you have coming into this about supporting teachers? What are some of the, the issues or the needs that you're seeing in your school, um, like wherever you're at, that you're like, I want to know more. Why are you kind of like the why are you here? So think for a minute about that, and I'll let you talk to somebody. So just think for a moment. Okay, so turn and talk to someone right next to you. What are some of those things that you're coming in wishing and wondering about supporting teachers? Every single time 
we're with them. And I like I literally try to hang everything we do in PB on is it about being undeniably Christian or academically excellent or both, right? But like I try to frame it that way. Everything we did in our August PD this year had one of those things as the beginning of the title and then like what was a subcategory of that to connect to. Um, so when we were talking about like reformed teaching and what does that look like? Well, that's about being undeniably Christian. If we're talking about PLCs and collaborative teams, that's about being academically excellent. And those things merge when we try to make the connections. But that's really important, I think, to making it not feel like we're asking teachers to do a million things. We're asking them to do a couple things really well and trying to clarify that kind of all the tools that we do in our professional development really connect to a very few things that are really important. Um, so anything that's in yellow here is, is hyperlinks to actual documents that we use at our school. Um, so if at the end, if you need the link to the slideshow, you're welcome to ask us for it, or I can put it back up on the screen, just remind me. Um, but our school um, kind of developed our own set of faith lines, and so those are the things that are, we're weaving into our instruction. And um, I try every time we have professional development, um, like we just did a couple days ago, to have something related to faith lines and, and our, our kind of Christian perspective growing as teachers, and have something that has to do with academically excellent, um, including something like collaborative teams every time. So I try to make sure that those are our priorities. Um, another thing that we spent a lot of time on in the last few years um, was the idea of understanding by design unit planning. And what I found coming into my role is that teachers had widely different explanations of like the wording of why they do what they do, how they do, especially when it came to like planning, lesson planning, things like that. So somebody's calling it like I can statements and, and, and somebody else is calling, you know, things like um, objectives and somebody else has standards and like, do we use machine standards? That's a question, right? And or do we not do that? And, and what's it, like? There was just a lot of confusion around what was expected of teachers and how they would plan lessons. And there wasn't a lot happening of teachers planning together or talking about it. There was a lot of islands going on. Um, and I think that was just that's okay. That's where we were at. And so we we started as a school to define those things. So we're all going to call it this, and we're all going to know what that means, and we're going to we just did a lot of training on. And I, I there's probably other ones out there, but I liked the UBD model um, because it just made clear. So when I when we say unit plan, I hope I think the teachers at our school know what that is, right? Like they they have like there's a vision in their head for what that is, um, how to do it, how to think through that, how to talk about that. Um, collectively. Um, and then another thing that we started um, about four years ago was partnerships. And we changed the name. We, we do, um, Dirk will talk more kind of about that principal partnership idea. Um, and we do some evaluations as well. But the partnerships, we really want to be opportunities for a principal or an instructional coach to come into the classroom and really spend time there, have conversations, work with the teachers on what their goals are rather than what my goals are for them, but really trying to hear what are your goals as a teacher? What are the things you're working on? Because if I'm giving you feedback on something that has nothing to do with what you're actually trying to work on, I'm probably not giving you very good feedback. And so just trying to really be aware of what is it that 
that they need? What is the teacher trying to accomplish? And then how do I help support that? Um, and we do have Spanish immersion and English classes. So we have um, Cecilia Sebastiani is a great partner for me who does the Spanish immersion coaching and I do the coaching for English teachers. Um, and then something that we incorporated in the last couple of years was collaborative teams. Um, and really what that means is uh, for our school and the system that we had in place already in terms of professional development time, um, we did started late starts once a month for two hours. And so then this year we added one more of those so that every month we have two hours of dedicated time that teachers come and work with their team. And I know that there's probably better ways to do it. There's probably schools that, that I've been, we've actually looking at Kyle Wiener's school, we came and visited Highland and they meet much more often than that and kind of in small chunks and I would love to do that. But I think for our school and where we've been at with our calendar, we just said like, we're gonna dedicate two hours a month to this and then work from there as people start to appreciate the value and the need and the, you know, then maybe we'll, we'll get some collective buy-in as a school to change our calendar, but we're gonna work within that. And so, you know, Dirk will tell you, if somebody, one of the administrators says, oh, but I need a little time for, what's my answer? Like, no, <laughs> no, we're sticking with the plan. We're doing collaborative teams, it's sacred. You're not messing with it. Um, so, you know, I'm always in some ways, in good ways, like I think fighting for that time, right? To say, no, this is what's important. We've committed to this, we're sticking with it. Um, not perfect, but we're learning how to do that, and it's really giving teachers opportunities to work together. Um, and then another thing that we have done, started, was called sharing sessions, which are once a month after school, um, trying to give teachers opportunities if they go to a conference to come back and share things that they've learned or tried, getting teachers in front of the room um, to talk to each other. And this year, I'm actually doing half an hour sharing sessions twice a month versus a one hour because teachers were like, it's a long hour after I get done teaching all day. So like short little nuggets. Um, our media center specialist the other day, or next week, I think she's presenting on some media stuff for just a half an hour after school. But I try to have those published ahead of time so teachers know when they are and know who's presenting. Um, last things on some of our professional development systems that we have set up. Um, I try to use the same, like, schedule every time we meet, so it looks very much the same, and it always has a lot of the same stuff. Um, we really, in Michigan, dove into giving our teachers sketch credit, so and I know that doesn't apply to all the Indiana people, I don't know how you guys do professional development hours, but um, our teachers have really appreciated that like through our school, they can get the state credit that they need to renew certification. And I have a digital record that they just go in every time. It goes into a spreadsheet. The secretary that helps me with that gets the spreadsheet ready, and I upload it to the state of Michigan, and it is a beautiful system over time. So if you're somebody from Michigan that wants, like, here's an idea. I just, it's how do you streamline those processes to make them easy? Um, and then the last thing that on this slide is something I went through um, Learning, but learning by Doing is a really great book. Actually, I have it upstairs, but I forgot to bring it down here. Learning by Doing. Um, I highly recommend that book as one that I read and looked at over and over and over again as I've been trying to do this process. Um, but out of that, um, I actually, a couple years ago, through MANS, did a monthly cohort. Um, I hope they offer that again for like administrators or could have been any level of like people who want to 
pre—I think of what it was called. Um, it was a leadership cohort, and every month you came and kind of went through the learning by doing book. Um, but out of that, we took the standards for professional learning, which are have to do with the resources and the systems and processes. And so I tried to use those in my creation of things. And then every year, our plan is to have the teachers give us an evaluation of how we're doing. So like last June, we had a survey that asked them questions about the standards for professional learning. And then this June, we'll have data that we can compare results from year to year and how we're improving in that area. Um, so I just think there's a lot of really cool ways to support teachers. Those are just a couple of the things we're doing. We'll go into a little more detail. Yeah, just to reiterate, this is a, a we're, we're trying to build systems here, systems that we didn't have prior to bringing Megan on board in the role she is in. And, and the goal here is teacher support, so that the ultimate goal is student growth. I think teachers really appreciate the support. Um, they appreciate the conversations that take place because of all these things that we're talking about. Um, what you're seeing here is a snapshot of where we are today. It will very likely change in the future. We are not saying we have this correct, right, this is the only way to do things. Uh, this, this will, I'm sure, morph over time. Uh, one other advantage that we've had, that I've noticed uh, when we do interviews for new teachers, one question that, that these candidates are asking is, what supports do you have for new teachers? Well, we can go through this whole thing. And that's uh, not something I could have done four years ago. And, and so now this, I think new candidates, when they see this sort of thing, they like, oh, you guys thought this through. That's good. So, uh, so moving along, um, what we, we do this in a three-year cycle with, with new teachers. So they're, they're uh, partnering with Megan in instructional coaching. There's a principal partnership that you'll hear about in just a few minutes. Um, and there's this mentorship that we, that we talk about. And then we have this third year that we're still kind of working through. We like to do instructional rounds, but the logistics of instructional rounds are pretty challenging. But we, we have been getting teachers helping teachers. Um, the next thing I want to talk about specifically, though, is this mentorship thing. So if you click on either those uh, those links, you'll see two, I think, different checklists. And they're, they're divided out by month, uh, each month of the school year. And the principal or a mentor teacher will sit down with a new teacher or whoever's being mentored that year. And that those just give topics for every month that you meet. And you try to meet two hours per month. Uh, I believe that the whole mentoring program is 22 hours. And in Michigan, Title II allows us to, we apply Title II funds. So the, the mentor teacher or principal who is doing the mentoring is paid uh, to do that, that mentorship. So that helps out. I think we pay them 20 bucks an hour. Uh, so it's like 400 40. to 40? Oh, 40 bucks an hour. So that's kind of nice to get paid for doing that. Uh, but what this does is it allows the new teachers, both new to the profession or new to the school, to better understand the school culture, to better understand that hidden curriculum, uh, simply as where do you keep the staples? Uh, where where are the where are the
the paper clips? How do I find canary colored paper instead of just the white stuff that's always in the, the, the machine? Um, so as you go through that checklist, it also is a springboard for many, many other conversations. New teachers, both new to the profession, new to the school, are going to be coming with all kinds of questions. And uh, this is a great opportunity to have conversations and help them come on board and be more comfortable in their day-to-day -day operations. So we, we put a high priority on this mentorship thing. Um, like I said, two hours a month. There's some prior, a couple hours prior to the school year where the mentors actually go through a training. And so principals and Megan um, talk with all the mentor teachers and, and how do we go about this for the year. And we found this to be very, very helpful. And those mentorships continue, uh, not officially necessarily, but they continue if it's a teacher-to-teacher -teacher mentorship. Uh, so somebody who was mentored last year is, they made a good friendship, they made a good collegial uh, relationship, and they're, they're always going back and forth with that person. Um, as well. So uh, highly recommend a well-thought-out uh, mentorship program. The other thing that we do that I'll be speaking on on this um, slide is this reform perspective on instruction and learning. And you see the cover there of a book by Robert DeMore. That's a book that we use. We have all of our new teachers, both new to the profession, new to the school, read this book and then we spend some time with them, with all the teachers together talking about this. What we're seeing is um, we are not as reformed as we have been in the past. We have candidates coming to us from public schools, candidates coming to us from outside of Christian colleges. Um, we, have, we have people who, who have, are, are outside of the reformed traditions. Um, and, and they become candidates and employees in our school. So we needed to create a system again where we can share that information, those foundational concepts, those ideological, theological concepts, so that we're making sure that that reformed theological perspective on instruction and learning is still there. So we, we go through this book. Not to say you have to use this book. There are plenty of other ones out there that talk about um, reformed Christian day schools and, and what that all means. Uh, but we make a point to have our people read this and then sit down and reflect on, on what, what's, it's a real thin book, it's about 50 pages, um, but reflect on all of those, those concepts and then implement that uh, throughout the school year. One of the things that every year when I ask new teachers, like what's the thing that was most helpful to you um, the last, you know, as we've done this last few years, um, a lot of teachers really appreciate the mentorship. I think they like the conversations. Um, we usually do them um, at lunch on a special day when we have, like, so they get to eat Jimmy John's so they talk about reform perspective on instruction and learning. But one of the things that they say is um, we do a thing called new teacher comment days, um, and that's a really big hit with the teachers. So what that means, first of all, before the school year starts, um, any teachers that are new to the school, we do an, an orientation, probably most schools do that, um, where we get together before all the other teachers come back, um, and we do a morning talking with, kind of about our goals as a school, you know, on an end of Christian active excellent, right, those sorts of things. Um, and then we also have started doing a tech tools day, 
that is required for the new teachers and optional for all the other teachers. So it goes through things like our fax system and Google Classroom and Seesaw, depending on the grade level. With and, and I have our, the teachers that I know use those systems do the teaching so that it's pretty applicable to like people in the classroom who are using those. These are the most important things you need to know. Um, and that's been really great. So teachers kind of come in knowing what those systems are. And then during the year, we do three new teacher comment dates where the teacher, the new teacher has a sub all day long. And they, in September, they basically show up in the morning at 7.30, just like a normal school day. Um, we meet with, um, Cecilia and I meet with those new teachers. We set objectives for the day. What is it are your goals? What is it you're looking for today? And then they spend the morning in their mentor teacher's classroom just observing, just being there. They see devotions, they see language arts tests, they see math tests, they just, and usually there's some sort of a, a special or a, you know, a break in the morning that they can also, we encourage them, and I send emails to the mentor teachers, like, remember, here's the goals of the day, have these conversations, talk about why you're doing what you're doing, how does this connect um, specifically to what they're seeing in the classroom. So then they come to lunch with us, and we talk about the reform book, and then we spend the afternoon doing some training. So that's where we do UBD training because all my other teachers know UBD and they don't want to spend more hours doing UBD training in normal PD. They know what we're talking about. So I try to specifically talk to our new teachers about like what is UBD and what are some of the foundational things that um, they, they're going to hear some of these things and they don't, aren't going to know what they are unless I specifically explain them to them. So I have kind of a system for that. Um, so that's that's our general. So September is with the mentor. January, we do the same thing again, and that's really a little bit broader view. So we want them to see, like, what is it like to be um, a student, if you're an elementary teacher, like a student in elementary. So we might have them go through, like, kindergarten, first, second, third, and fourth grade and see, like, an hour or less in each classroom for the morning. So they pop from room to the next. Um, middle school and high school, it's more content area focused. We're going to have them go visit all the math teachers, if they're a math teacher, all the social studies teachers, and see a little bit in each room, like one class period for the morning. And then again, lunch with the reform book in the afternoon, what's another piece to this puzzle of UBD or things like that. Um, and then in April or May, my favorite one is they get a flavor of the whole school. So if you're a high school teacher, you're going to go to kindergarten, second grade and fourth grade and seventh grade and the goal of that day and the teachers that I line up for that day the goal of that day is faith line integration I want to put them in classrooms where they're seeing other teachers teach from a Christian perspective specifically integrating faith into their so the teachers that when I send out the all call like you know will you let teacher new teachers come in your room and see faith line integration I have some teachers like yes I'm so excited about this. And they'll, you know, they'll really rearrange their schedules to make sure that the lesson that they have picked for that unit or whatever that topic is is kind of falling on that day. Um, some teachers that are really excited about helping me with that, which I really appreciate. Um, but as we've gotten bigger, I think we have 17 new teachers this year. Yeah. So one of the challenges of this is we can't do it all Monday. We don't have 17 subs, to be honest, right? So, <laughs> So we did, so for the fall, for September, we did three different days. We did an elementary new teacher day, and a middle school new teacher day, and a high school new teacher day. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot of like planning, organizing, and communicating, but it's so worthwhile for those teachers to be in the rooms with their mentors, be 
seeing other teachers doing the things, and then I love how it builds through the year. So I would encourage those sorts of things. Yeah, we don't have 17 subs. We're lucky to have seven subs. They're pretty, pretty hard to find these days. All right, so take a minute. Um, think about this for a second. What are some connections you're making to the work that you're currently doing to support, support teachers? So we're assuming that you're probably doing some, maybe you're doing more or all these things, I don't know, but what are some of those things that you're doing in your school that might be similar, might be a little different? What are some connections you're making? Talk to, think for a minute. All right, talk to somebody near you. What are some connections that you have been making in your head? principal 
and a teacher, and it goes on for an entire year. And if you click on that link, you'll actually see the, the principal partnership document, and it, it's very busy. Uh, it is color-coded, and the teacher does the purple, where the comments were purple and gold, so we use those words and those colors a lot. Uh, so the, the teacher does the purple, and the administrator does the yellow part. And what this is, uh, one semester, the first semester, the teacher will plan a specific lesson, and the administrators will go in and watch and observe. But the idea is you're, you're supporting them in their classroom goals that they've established at the beginning of the school year, the school goal, goals that we have in place through strategic planning and, and other means. Uh, but it's really just a discussion about how are you implementing those goals in your lesson planning, your unit planning, and how you're doing that in instruction. And again, it's not so much of that individual lesson, but it opens up conversations uh, to take place in that follow-up meeting. And then you do another one of these lessons in the second semester. But all through the school year, I as an administrator am going into your room probably more than other teachers because we have this principal partnership. And again, it's just about the conversations. Uh, it's, it's all about um, talking through how are you doing, what do you need. Um, if they ask questions about how can I do better, you can, you can, you can step in and, and talk about how you might use different strategies and you help find resources. Uh, so it, I think it's helpful even for veteran teachers to have someone there that they can talk to, that can go to, and it, it's really not threatening in any way. Um, and it's, it's all about support. I'll give you an example of a situation we had uh, last year. I had a, a world history teacher who was pretty traditional in, in his uh, instructional strategy. A lot of lecturing and wanted to try to break that up a little bit. And Megan stepped in and found a, a resource for us. And uh, it, was a, it was a tour of a palace museum in Virginia a virtual tour of a palace museum in Egypt. And uh, the teacher then developed this really nice, uh, interactive, valuable lesson using that resource. And, and so, again, I, the idea is to support teachers and to in, increase student growth. And uh, I think that was a, a, a just sort of a microcosm example of how that happens or happened last year in our school. Uh, and it just kind of opened up the eyes of the kids as they're going through this museum, but it also opened up opportunities for the teachers. Oh, hey, that worked. I was, I was a little nervous in doing that, but that worked. It was supporting now that door to, to instructional, uh, different instructional methods is, is, is open for him, and he's exploring more. So that happens with one teacher, one principal, uh, every that relationship is between the teacher and the principal. I, I think last year I did that with eight new teachers. That number varies. We, I just haven't had eight on my docket last year. I think this year I had five. Um, eight total teachers, not just new, right? Correct. Or, yeah. or new to our school. Yeah. So I had eight last year. I think I have five this year. Uh, I think middle school has quite a bit more this year. So that number goes up and down depending on um, staffing. Um, and and I pay probably more attention to those teachers in the principal partnership than I do the other ones. But that does not mean 
the other ones don't have attention paid to them. Uh, we have this yearly evaluation. If you click on that, um, we, it's kind of that old uh, sort of traditional checklist. Um, I go and visit those, uh, those classrooms frequently as well. But at the end of the year, every teacher in the system is going to get some type of evaluation document and it goes into their file. And what we decided as an administrative team to do is take about 12 basic concepts of teaching, uh, put those on there, give a grading, a ranking system, one to four. Uh, because we do use shared time, we do have to report to the state of Michigan a, a ranking. So there's highly effective, effective, um, I, I can't remember all of them, but one through four. And we got to submit those. So we've just aligned it with the Michigan system. That's why you see on the bottom of the ranking system. But again, opens up a conversation at the end of the year with every teacher in the building. We can talk about uh, classroom goals. We can talk about school goals. We can talk about the individual items that are on that, that yearly evaluation. Um, it's, again, non, not, not very threatening. Um, if there is a trouble area in instruction, we note that and we put an action plan in place. If we go a few years where we're constantly creating action plans, then we might have another difficult conversation. But initially, uh, these are here uh, to be support, uh, supportive and, uh, and, and to guide teachers and becoming better teachers, because ultimately that's what we want. Yep. And just to say on that part, that from a teacher perspective, they're going to be in a cycle once every three years. So, you know, say a teacher's been at the school for 10 years, maybe you're 10, it's a principal partnership, you're 11, might be a coaching partnership, you're 12, we, we kind of have you as a year off, I'll say, um, really where it's just, they're doing their collaborative teams and things. So that's our current, where we're at. We've talked about three-year cycle with the third thing, but we haven't really gotten it all figured out. So, um, so I'm going to talk about instructional coaching. A teacher who's doing instructional coaching is not going to be doing that the same year they're doing a principal partnership. Um, so a teacher who comes in new to the school, our hope is that we could do instructional coaching with them first, and then they could do a principal partnership after that so that they kind of feel like they've had the time to get settled, know what's going on. Um, it's been good to clarify what's the difference between mentoring and coaching because the mentor teacher is usually like a grade level. So fourth grade, two fourth grade teachers, there's a new fourth grade teacher, there's one that's been there, the, you know, the one's the mentor, one's the new teacher, but they don't have a whole lot of time to be in each other's rooms or give that kind of feedback. So the instructional coach, um, that role is really more in the classroom and instruction based versus the kind of questions of where's the stakeholder copier or things like that. Um, so we do this with our new teachers and we do it with all the teachers one out of every three years. And there's a lot of research around a couple key things that really improve teachers' instructions, instruction. And um, collaborative teams is definitely one of them, like opportunities to work together. And another really, really high one is uh, support with instructional coaching. And the idea behind that is that a teacher when, they, when the teacher's intentional about what they want to grow and learn in, and they have the support to make that happen, they probably will do it. Um, but a lot of times we're too busy, right, in the teacher world to like even think about the new thing or the different thing, or that just feels overwhelming. And so 
what I do is I usually meet monthly with, uh, with each teacher and we'll sit down on the front end and I'll say, you know, tell me what your goals are, let's talk about that, how can we break that down into some manageable steps for you, what do you think the first step is? So a lot of what I do is ask questions, like curious questioning, listening, um, I just try to take it all in and then, you know, break down for them like, so, okay, it sounds like you're saying you might want to start with this little piece. Maybe trying that, and then she's like, yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> it's lovely how yeah, it works together. Um, and then the teacher, you know, will, will try to implement that in the classroom, give that a go. Sometimes I leave and I send them resources and things like, hey, we talked about that. Here's an idea. Like, yes, that's what I was looking for. That's what I needed. They start to, to try that in the classroom. I come into the classroom. I use a lot of Google Calendar events for everything, so they know when I'm coming because I send them a Google Calendar event. I show up in that class at that time, um, I watch what's happening, we do a debrief afterward, 20 minutes out of their prep time um, for the month, try to keep it really short and sweet. You know, this is asking them, how do you think it went? And then I say, well, this is what I saw. Okay, how does that fit with your goal? How did that help students learn? What are we seeing next? What might be a next step? Let's try that. On we go. And that's kind of how our cycle happens through the year. I have teachers that have difficulty. Right? Like, they're, like it's not all perfect in the classroom. I, and there are times where there's a teacher that's really struggling with behavior management, for example. I go in every week. Right? Like, yep, principal and I talk and say, this teacher needs more support. So I go in more often and I'm like, okay, this week, this is the thing to try in every class period. Or the teacher says, I think I need, yep, yep, try that. We commit to it together. Um, there's classrooms I've gone in and we've co-taught things. Um, and then there's teachers that maybe we spread it out to more like five or six weeks because the, the goal that they have is more, um, they've maybe been a teacher a long time, their goal takes a little more work for them, they're doing something more on the back end, that's the unit planning stuff. So they'll like, okay, let's meet in three or four weeks a little longer. That's more of a goal setting for them. Like, by the time I see you again, I will do the thing. I'm like, yep, that's great. You know, and it just gives them a deadline, little steps for the work that they want to do, that they see is valuable, and then we're always asking the question, how is it improving student learning? What is that, what's happening in the classroom to engage kids? So this is what gets me really excited. Like I love the systems and I love the PD, but I love the instructional coaching because that's where you just see so much growth. Good question. Megan, are you the um, instructional coach for K-12? I do instructional coaching preschool through 12, but also Cecilia Sebastiani does it for the Spanish immersion teachers. Um, and I and I don't do every teacher every year, and that's why, like, logistically, I just can't. I'd love to coach with 60 teachers every year. That'd be super fun, um, but I just can't do that. So I, I coach with, I, I'd like to keep it around 20 per year, um, but with so many new teachers coming in, it's just really hard to keep it at that level. So I think I'm at like 27 <coughs> this year. Um, I'm curious, because I think, I think it would be a role confusion, right? Because if you're an instructional coach, you're trying to help somebody, is there, is it pretty, is there, are your boundaries pretty clear around coaching versus yeah. evaluative? That's a great question. So last year, because of how our administrative Things were, um, I was the assistant principal because our lead administrator was the elementary principal but wasn't there all the time. And so I sat in his office two days a week and was, you know, helping with kids that needed help. But that has been 
I, I tried really hard to make clear, like, I'm not coming in classrooms from that perspective. That's hard to say when you have that hat. So I don't have that hat anymore, and that was really intentional. We hired a full-time elementary principal so that, that each principal has their job, and mine is, is to be the, the coach part versus being an administrator. I think that's a nice separation. Good question. Yeah. Um, how did you introduce at the beginning phase the idea of that schedule, like you're on rotation for coaching, when that, when that very first began, how did you unroll, roll that out and create buy-in from the teachers? That's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think back. That was this is So this is our fourth year of coaching, um, and we did it with a smaller group. So really, we just brought those teachers in and had a conversation with them about coaching and explained it to them. Like, we didn't really do a big thing for everybody. And then the next year, like we had teachers who knew what it was, so they were talking positively about it, and then we did a bigger rollout for everybody. If I'm remembering right, that was it was kind of a small start thing. We're gonna pilot, we're gonna try this. I'm a big fan of piloting things and trying things. Because <laughs> if it doesn't work well, we can say, well, we tried that, you know. Can I, can I comment? Yeah. Uh, you're talking about buy-in. Um, so yeah, we did kind of the soft rollout. By and large, this is my perspective as the administrator, and that's not always the same perspective as teachers, I suppose, but from my perspective, um, this was something that teachers desired. This, this wasn't something that they were pushing back against. Probably the first time Megan came into the classroom, they had that, what is your role? But it, Megan was very quick to establish, I'm not here to evaluate you, I'm here to support you. The guy that has the office down the hallway, that's his job to evaluate you. Um, and, and I think once we got through that year one or a couple of teachers were got out, then it all kind of fell into place. And, and, but but it, it really was a desire for our faculty at both of our campuses at every grade level to have more support um, and to recognize that this process is not put here to be punitive. We're not here sort of looking over your shoulder to make sure you're getting the job done. We want to help you become better teachers. And ultimately, we want our students to have the, the most and deepest growth as, as students as possible. So I think it was pretty widely welcomed. So what I'm hearing both of you say is your role, Megan, is support. It is. And if, if there's, and you, Sheriff Ben, are support and accountability. Correct. So we would not have been able to do this had we not deliberately hired someone. I mean, we created a position and we hired Megan. We wouldn't have been able to do this without the position. And certainly Megan, I mean, she, she really stepped into this role and has driven this. Because we just don't have the, the administrators and what we have to do every day. We just don't have the bandwidth to do all of this. If we can identify one person to do this, one position, then it all can really come together, and that's that's what happens. So, if you don't have an instructional coach or a curriculum director in your school, um, particularly the instructional coach person, and you want to see something like lobby for that role because it, it is hugely important if this is the direction you want to go with teacher support. Yeah. Do you guys are you a TFT? Do you TFT? If, if you do, do you have a TFT coach? Because that's our struggle, like, 
that well, TF2 I mean, roles kind of fall on our ideas. instructional. We're, we're going to fight over the issues. We are not doing TFT, but we are doing faith line integration, faith integration. And I will say, there's been, I think, in the education world, like, there's a literacy coach, there's a tech coach, there's a faith integration coach, there's a coach for everything. And I will say, one person can probably do all the things. And my, my perspective on that is, like, if a teacher comes and they have a goal of faith integration and a goal of tech integration, then I, I want to be able to help them with either of those things and not have it so tight that I can't, oh, I can't help you with that one because, but, but okay, so then they're meeting with different people and doing different things. So I think from the teacher perspective, having one person, even if you have, I mean, it'd be great to have more instructional coaches, but that they all are more generalists and able to help with anything would be my recommendation based on the work I actually do with teachers. I think that's valuable to them. Specifically to your question about TFT, no, we, we are not signed on with, with TFT. Our faith lines is something similar we won't go into here. Uh, but if you if you click on the, the link, you'll see it resembles TFT uh, quite a bit. Uh, and and we, we make sure that we work on that every professional development time that we have and get teachers talking to teachers and, and so on and so forth. All right, yeah, feel free to let me know if you have questions. That's great. Um, I did link in there what I use as my monthly coaching plan. I've tried a lot of different things over the course of the last few years of how do I document that, how do I keep up with that, with all the teachers and all the different ideas and things. So um, what I do now is a Google Doc for each teacher in Google Classroom, a professional development class, that they're the students in the class. Um, so all the teachers or students in the class and then the ones that have a principal partnership, then I share out that doc um, with them and the principal and the ones that are instructional coaching, I share out that doc with them so I can do that all through Google Classroom. They can only see their document that's shared with me and then you know we both can type in it. What are the goals? Um, if I'm in the classroom observing, I type in my observations right there so that it's very transparent, the teacher can see it. I always italicize things that I'm wondering or questions I have, and some of the teachers, even before I meet with them afterwards, will like go and read it, and they're like ready with the answer, you know? <laughs> they're like, because da, da, da. I'm like, oh, right, okay. And it's just funny because not every teacher is as tacky, and that's okay. But the ones there are some teachers who just love having that access all the time um, to our shared notes. So that's been helpful to me. And then just some quick examples of instructional coaching. If you're not sure this is a thing for your school, I'm going to try to help you buy in here. Um, I have a teacher that has been at the school for a long time. She's a really powerful K4 music teacher, just really doing great things with kids. Sometimes I worry with a teacher that's so good at their job, like how can I possibly help them, right? Like what can I bring as an instructional coach that they're not already doing? Because they're awesome. Um, and so I met with this teacher and, you know, like, well, tell me your goals. What can I do? You know, how can I support you? And she's like, I'm so excited that you're here. And it just made me really happy because I was nervous. Like, maybe they, maybe she, maybe they, maybe they think she needs me, which is okay, but, um, but how can I still do my job, right, and help you? And she said, I want to, I want to try ukuleles with my fourth graders. And I've never done that instrument before. And it sounds really hard, because every kid has to tune their own instrument. I have to find the place in the classroom to store them. I, like, it's like a logistical nightmare. I'd love someone to talk you through it. And so that's what we did. That was our goal for fall, was 
we went through a room and looked like, oh yeah, this is a place to store them. I came in on the day she introduced it and helped kids tune instruments. <laughs> Um, and then I came back a couple weeks later after they'd been learning them and I was the audience for the kids to play because I'd been there on the first day when they knew nothing. And it was just a really neat, like, what a beautiful way to have instructional coaching work really well. Um, it was cool. Um, I had a sixth grade science teacher that said, like, I know I should integrate faith into my teaching, but I just, I get overwhelmed and I give up. And that's just really honest, right? And I go, okay, well, it's a great goal. Let's take it in a baby step. Let's look at the next unit you're doing and what's one connection we can make. And out of that came, I mean, basically from that point, she has a monthly thing that she does every month, every unit with her kids. It's the same kind of process. It's just looking at a different faith integration piece, asking a question. The kids know what to do. Like, they're good at it now. Like, she, she went on maternity leave, and the kids know what they're doing, and they can do that faith integration thinking and process with each science unit. Um, but that came out of instructional coaching, and it was 95% not me, just me listening and giving some, like, hey, let's try it, and let's just commit to one little thing, and that's what the teacher needed to move forward. Um, some teachers, it's, you know, like, I know I should write down all the good things that are happening in my room, but I just get overwhelmed. So it's just setting the goal, like, hey, you just talk this unit, let's get it written up. Let's sit down together, let's use our 20 minutes right now to get as much written as we can. Um, and then, because I was in the room, so I know what happened, right? Like, I was there, I was in the lessons, um, so now I can sit down and, like, let's power it out and make it happen, and so, anyway, that's cool. Um, the last link there is professional growth descriptors, which is something that came out of the coaching that I, the training that I did, but they've been great. It's, you know, classroom management, behavior management, um, lesson planning, those specific growth descriptors that when teachers are like, I don't know what to make my goal on, Look at the professional growth descriptors. Those are really key things that every teacher can do. And then it's a breakdown. Like if I have a teacher that's struggling with classroom management, we look at the list. Okay, there's 10 things you can do in classroom management. We get that out. We actually look. Have you tried this one? Oh, no, I haven't tried that one. The maximum we're going to try in the classroom next month. Like we just really practical tools that we use. Oh, it's me again. Okay. All right. Sorry, me again. Um, oh, we have six minutes. Ah. Okay. Um, collaborative teams. I would say that our school um, is in such a learning process with this collaborative teams idea, which comes under the, the PLC, or Professional Learning Community. We are relatively new to it. Last year we started doing that. I really felt like rather than spending our professional development every single time we having to plan a million things, it'd be great to give teachers time to work but I felt like they needed a structure in which to do that, and collaborative teams has been a great structure for us. Um, so, you know, I definitely recommend, um, for us, that's just been, we, we have teams that are grade level teams in K through four, and then in middle school and high school, it's content area teams. But this year, we've really dived into, like, what is an effective team, and what is what are the steps for that? And um, we sent a group of teachers to, um, a, uh, solution tree coaching um, collaborative teams session um, and out of that came a group of about 10 teachers that are a guiding coalition we meet monthly they help me think through like what do our teams need what is the training that we need to do next what's the the ideas that teachers need to understand um, and that's just been really awesome 
And then I just linked in one of our collaborative team notes that we use monthly for our, uh, that's just the, the template. Um, you want to talk about the yeah, last piece? Uh, so one of the collaborative teams at, in the high school is our English language arts group. And um, a few of us, myself included, have been talking about standards-based grading. Um, we're not exactly thrilled with traditional grading systems. We do have some people on staff who are interested in exploring standards-based grading more. And so that becomes their collaborative team this year, and they're working through it, and they're implementing some of that standards-based grading stuff. And uh, students don't quite know what's going on yet, because we haven't rolled it out officially, and parents don't, but they're playing, uh, playing around with some of the characteristics and features and, and uh, resources and uh, strategies of standards-based grading. So that's, a, that's just one thing, uh, one collaborative team focus that we have this year. Um, one thing of note, uh, that sort of concludes uh, our presentation, but one thing that should be noted, in, in our situation, we have three building principals, the superintendent, we get together weekly uh, to meet about school stuff, right? What, what's happening in the school. And we've included, from the very beginning, Megan, our, our instructional coach and our curriculum director, who's Megan, mm -hmm. uh, and so she's in every one of these meetings. And so we really function uh, as a team weekly. And uh, again, to your point about the, the um, sort of those fuzzy lines between Megan being an evaluator, observer, or a coach, we try to keep that very, very clear. And, and we do that by, me and, uh, Megan and I meet pretty regularly to talk about different situations and, and, and teachers teaching situations and classes and so on. She does that with the other administrators as well. So getting the instructional coach, curriculum director on your administrative team, meeting regularly to, to talk about what's going on is, is crucial to the success of, of our program. And again, without Megan, this would not have happened. Without creating this particular role in our school, our administrative team, it wouldn't have happened. So uh, we don't have a whole lot of time. If anybody has any questions, be welcome to. Oops, yeah. Any questions? Well, we maybe have some. This was something I thought we could end with, and then if you do have questions, let us know. What 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 is something you can take away from this session? Um, something new, something different. Think about that for a minute. It's kind of nice just to end any session with. What's the takeaway? Um, talk to somebody else. What are some ideas that came out of this? Let us know if you have any questions.